Welcome back, Dragons, to episode 93 of the Dumbos and Dragons podcast. Today, I'm very excited to bring on a friend of mine, Mike Steffen. He is one of the brilliant masterminds behind Assist 100 Mutters, which is an additional challenge that uh, the Tough Mutter community uh, takes part in, if they so choose. And Mike's going to tell you a little bit more about that once we get into the actual show. I'm very excited to Uh, share that with all of you and hopefully it'll inspire some of you to sign up for your next or first Tough Mudder. So other than that, I hope you guys enjoy the episode and let's jump right in. Workout Nerd Out. Mike, thank you so much for being here. How are you today, my friend? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Kenny. How are you? Dude, I am doing great. It is a beautiful Saturday here in Pasadena. Uh, yesterday, I spent the entire day at Disneyland, so it was phenomenal. And today, I just finished meal prepping for the entire next week, so I'm very, uh, I feel very like calm about the upcoming week. How about yourself? That's great. I mean, it's another terrible February in Southern California here. So I had to, uh, you know, take advantage of that with a nice long 20 mile run in Crystal Cove in Newport Beach, which is, you know, a, a state park, pretty hilly and near the beach. So, um, had some nice views and I, uh, don't meal prep. I am not on the whole 30. So my dinner will likely involve a lot of <laughs> beer and some pizza and, this probably explains why you're going to lap me at the next race. That it. Oh, <laughs> let's not. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, oh, I will say you ran 20 miles, so you definitely need the carbs. You know, you need to carb load, replace all those, uh, all those carbs you spent running 20 miles. Sure. If you can justify it, then that'd be great. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm pretty bad about diet, but I try to make up for it. Dude, and I, okay, so I've been slacking on my training. I have not put in a run since the Pasadena half marathon about two weeks ago, maybe, maybe even three weeks ago, because it's just my sleep schedule is all thrown off. So at the Tough Mudder, uh, Toughest Mudder LA, I am going to be incredibly worried about my performance. It sounds like what we need to do is combine the diet part that you have under control with the running part that I have. And we could like form some, you know, superhuman racer. So if you're into that, we've got like three weeks. I'm, you know, if we could find a way to mesh our DNA like that, I would be very game for it. Would we, would we be able to split ourselves back up after, or would we just be the same person going forward? I think there would be one person going forward, but there'd also have to be a second person of all of like the recessive, undesirable traits. So like, you know, your lack of running and my lack of a proper diet. And that person would have to exist going forward. I'm pretty sure that person was me. Seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Well, we've made some progress here, I think. (laughs) There we go, man. Absolutely. So real quick, just so people can get a little bit uh, of a taste who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Sure. So, um, 
you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer by trade, I guess, a corporate litigator. So that's how I spend uh, most of my time. Unfortunately, too much of my time is spent in corporate litigation, but I uh, try to spend as much time as I can when I'm not working outside. And often that's running uh, obstacle course races. I run a lot of Tough Mudders, um, but other brands as well. And, you know, when I'm not running Tough Mudders, particularly in this sort of off season between World's Toughest Mudder and the start of the new OCR season in the spring, I'll spend a lot of time uh, rock climbing and bouldering and uh, and camping in national parks. And so that's sort of how I, how I spend my time. Um, and when I'm not doing that, I have some nerdy indulgences that I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll get out of me. Um, they're a little embarrassing, but you know, that's, that's who I am. And I live in, I'm lucky enough, as I said before, to live in Orange County, uh, here in Huntington beach. So, you know, there's no shortage of good weather and, uh, and good vibes out here. That's awesome, man. And you know what? I am probably going to try to get some of those things out of you, and I'm going to do it right now by saying, what nerdy things have you been up to? Okay, so I was like, not sure if I would go into this because I don't know if it's, you know, appropriate since it's kind of super embarrassing. But um, are you like aware of this iPhone game, Clash of Clans? Yes, I have never played it, but I am aware of it. Okay, so I was. This was like the most popular iPhone game for like three years or something absurd like that. And I was one of the early adopters of Clash of Clans. I think I like if you look at my account number, it's like in the low 1000s or something. And it became like a super popular game, like a billion people are on it or something. You know, it's just this like stupid game. It's like an Angry Birds type of thing where you like attack people's bases and stuff. And I don't even like find enjoyment in it anymore. But I have been on this game for so long that I just can't not play I can't like give it up. And so, you know, I've been playing a lot of Clash of Clans, taking down people's bases. Sometimes it can be hard when I'm, you know, working and I'm like in court and stuff and you have to like the thing is you have to like attack at a certain time. There's like a certain window and it's not always, you know, um at at a convenient time for a 32-year-old lawyer, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I've been attacking some people in the Clash of Clans, protecting the base. Um, so that's probably my, you know, my main nerdy indulgence, but you know, there are others. Well, okay. So, I mean, I got to share, you got to get on this game. Uh, really? Apparently, apparently I do you can join. You can join my clan. You can be in my clan. I'll teach you all everything I know. Well, so here's my thing. I, every, maybe once a year, I will reinstall plants versus zombies on my desk on my desktop computer and it sucks my free time like nobody's business that game is ridiculously addictive uh and i'm constantly i'm just in a battle with myself always trying to beat my high score and the game is ridiculous it's totally dumb there are often times where i just get so frustrated uh that you know, I, I don't even know why I'm playing it anymore. And then like two weeks after I get to that point, I have to uninstall it just so I stop playing it. That's some self-control. I have played Plants vs. Zombies, and the only reason I stopped was because the iPad I downloaded it to broke. And so I was like technologically unable to... I guess I could download it on my iPhone. Now that you mention it, maybe I should do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Um, yeah, I also bought, now that you mentioned it, I also bought a refurbished N64 pretty recently. Nice. So I've been sinking a lot of time, especially now that I'm not, 
you know, like racing as much in this sort of off season. I've been sinking a lot of time into some old school N64. Dude, I, I actually still have my N64. So it's, it's, it's traveled with me through, you know, the last 20 years or so. And I still have all the great games for it. Mario Kart, Mario 64, GoldenEye. Um, Smash. I love me some Smash. But it's, it's, I actually don't have very much time. What, what's actually a huge benefit is I don't have any space in my house to, ins- like, to have the console and play it. Like, where I have my TV, there's nowhere for the N64 to sit. So I just didn't even put, I didn't even connect it. Good. Don't. You will lose, like, years of your life if you do. Oh, Dude, I've been I've been contemplating whether or not to try to go find the SNES Classic that has like eighty old school Super Nintendo games, and every time I I find one, I manage to talk myself out of buying it because I know it'll just be a total time suck, and there there is so much I want to do <laughs> that I just I can't afford to be playing video games all the time. Um, I don't know if you listened to my episode on New Year's resolutions, but one of my goals is to do 24 hikes I've never done before, and I think 24 museums I've never done before. And so on the weekends, when I have time to game, I'm either trying to find a new hike or trying to find a new museum, and that's in conjunction with all my other goals, like reading goals and, you know social life stuff which which is why i'm actually a little envious of you uh going out to all these national parks and rock climbing and stuff because then you don't even have to worry about plants versus zombies or nintendo 64 problems because it's not like you're bringing a tv out camping that's true um i think part of the reason i like those types of vacations is because it sort of forces you to disconnect you know you're like in a place where you have no service so there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't be on call for work. You can't like be checking social media. You definitely can't be, you know, defending your garden against zombies. So it's a very, very liberating experience. And so that's sort of why I'm trying to get out there to these parks. Well, I think it was last weekend or the weekend before I just put my phone away. And I was like, you know what? If I don't have plans with people, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not going to return texts. I'm not going to look at emails. It can all wait till Monday. And, and it was great. It was like, I just did whatever I wanted to do. And unplugging that way was so phenomenal. You kind of freaked out at the beginning. I bet though. Uh, yeah, there was a, there was a, who's texting me, who's texting me, but I actually took some advice from an online article. I changed my phone to be in grayscale. So it's like, I I don't see any color on my phone. Okay. (laughs) Phone developers know this is the reason they make everything so bright and vibrant and rich and colorful and clash of clans, like cartoony, bright and colorful characters and all this other stuff is because our brain gets addicted to those things. And our brain just like wants that color rush to release all the endorphins in our head, you know, uh, Facebook chose the background blue for a very specific reason because it keeps people coming back and back and back and back. And it's why on the blue background, when you get a notification, the notification is red. 
it's like so, so much of a contrast. And so your brain gets conditioned to want that feedback. And so since I put my phone in grayscale, I don't say the addiction is gone, but I definitely don't have as much of a drive to continue to check my phone over and over and over again. That makes sense. And it makes me feel like I have been duped by the big technology companies to want to defend my clan because of the colors on the screen. Now I feel very feeble-minded. <laughs> Dude, it's the human mind is a crazy thing. And it's just, if there's money to be made, people will exploit other people like nobody's business. Especially if they're in yeah. big business. Like if they're making money from Clash of Clans, you better believe that they're going to try to develop something that will get you coming back and back and back and back. Well, I'm very proud to say that in something like six years of Clash of Clans, although I, you know, play it a lot, I have never spent money on it, which I think is a rare, a rare thing to say. That's awesome. Yes, I can be very patient, apparently. That's yeah. I uh, I had a couple games where they constantly wanted me to pay to win, and I'd just be like, "No, I'm 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 fine. I don't need to. I don't need to speed up this thing." And then I just got sick of the game and I deleted it. So that's what I do. Yeah. See, that's basically what happened with me in this game. Except I felt like I had sunk so much time into it that I just couldn't walk away. I don't know. It's like a, a bad relationship or something. I like don't understand the concept of sunk costs. Yeah. But I've spent like so much time. I like can't. I just. I don't know. It's an addiction. You were pot committed. I'm co- exactly right. I'm pot committed. But except with Clash of Clans, there's no end. There's not a you know going to be a hand that's going to win this thing and I'm going to walk away with a million bucks. I am playing a iPhone game, an iPhone game for seven-year-olds and I can't walk away. <laughs> I, dude, I don't, I, maybe we need to put you into rehab. I think I need help. I think that's maybe, yeah. I might, maybe we'll have to do an intervention. <laughs> I think this podcast has definitely taken a turn. I, I, am, <laughs> I am okay with this. All right. Well, let's 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 get back on onto some other things. Um, you're a big rock climber. You enjoy the national parks. You're Clash of Clans addict, but that's okay. Um, you did say you were having some beer. What is your favorite type of beer? I'm a big beer guy. So I'm not. I don't know. I, I'm not a super sophisticated beer drinker. I'm trying to be, um, but I'm not like really into you know, real niche beers. I'm trying to like still find my way around the breweries in, in Southern California. Uh, my all time favorite beer is a beer, a Texas beer called Shiner Bach, which oh, is, yeah. um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, that's really where I started drinking a lot of beer was when I lived in Texas and something about Shiner Bach and the like crispness of, of that beer, especially with Austin barbecue just really hit the spot. And so now that's sort of like my, my uh, bellwether for, you know, beers when I have them. It's something that I compare all the other beers to. So I'm a big fan of Shiner Bach and um, really any any sort of like good crisp uh, lager that you can have on a, on a, you know, on a nice hot day like today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, you know, a, a lot of my friends will, will, you know, talk about stouts and I'm a huge stout guy and porters and all that other stuff. But 
120 degrees. I, I'm born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Like 120 degrees in August, the last thing I'm thinking about is a thick, heavy stout. What I want is, you know, something like a pale ale, possibly even a lighter IPA, but something that is just tastes better cold, like ice cold. Yeah, something that's refreshing, you know? Exactly, exactly. So um, now that we've completely made me exceptionally thirsty, since I can't have any beer on Whole30, and uh, I won't be having another beer until like March 6th or 7th, just because that's when my Whole30 is done. Um, Let's get off the topic of beer, because now all I want is beer. Well, that's good timing for you, right? Because that's right after um, the eight-hour Tough Mudder, so you'll be able to... Yeah, it's right after tough. It's right after toughest. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm worried about that one, man. But speaking of Tough Mudder, how did you get involved? How did you find out about Tough Mudder? So, um, I guess it was in 2012, um, a friend of mine found a rugged maniac, which is a, uh, another brand of OCR. It's like a 5k, I think, and sort of encouraged a bunch of us uh, to sign up and, and try something different. And that's what we did. And I came away from the rugged maniac having had a really good time and wanting to do more. I felt like it wasn't, you know, like that, that 5k wasn't enough for me. And so I went online that night and I think my actual Google search was something like toughest obstacle course, something along those lines. And at the time, tough mutter, obviously tough is in the name, but it's, um, you know, tagline was probably the toughest event on the planet. And so this came up immediately and I saw these videos of these, you know, hardcore macho looking, you know, men and women grinding through the mud and barbed wire and stuff. And it just seemed like completely badass and like a real physical challenge. And that night I signed up and ran my first tough mutter in LA in 2012. And, uh, you know, I came away from that with a very similar feeling, like I wanted more and that I wanted, uh, you know, to meet more of the people who are involved in this relatively new sport. And I wanted to uh, push myself physically to, you know, be in, in better shape and uh, and definitely to get outside more and to run trails more. That was something that really stuck with me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I, I hate running and so everyone was always telling me to do a half marathon or a marathon. And then I came across Tough Mudder and I was like, this is fun. Yeah. This I can do. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and I'm not a big runner, or at least I didn't used to be. I actually used to, used to hate running. I played a lot of baseball growing up and the punishment for, you know, like slacking off or joking around was always having to like run laps. So I had a sort of negative Pavlovian association with running but once I started doing the Tough Mudders and then training for them and, you know, learning that you learning how to run and how to make running fun, um, I, I've come to really enjoy it. And so now I run not only to train for events, but also to just sort of feel good and, and get outside. For sure. And it's, it's one of those things where I'm actually starting to enjoy running just for the sake of running. Uh, what's, what's keeping me going is obviously I want to perform well at toughest, but it's, it's the, I actually just read, uh, have you ever heard of the book born to run? Of course. Yeah, I've read it. 
Okay. Uh, I just got done with the audio book and it is, it's kind of like when I ran the Pasadena half marathon, um, I was hitting personal bests every mile, like every split my, like I was maintaining between a 10 and 11 minute mile, which I've never done before in my life. Like I'm not a fast person. Uh, but I realized what was keeping me going was I was enjoying it because I was spending time high-fiving people and, and smiling and talking and encouraging people and just, you know, having such a great time talking with everybody else that I couldn't even think about how much pain my legs were in. That's awesome. And that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about Tough Mudder because there's always somebody there you can encourage. There's always someone there who's encouraging you. And it's, it's just so great to always have that. Um, and that's, that's why I just started loving Tough Mudders, but it was just, yeah, man. And so Born to Run just kind of completely kind of made me realize why I do better when I'm less focused on running. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, you know, one thing that, that helps me a lot and that I try to tell the people that I encourage to run is running doesn't have to be this really hard, ugly, terrible thing. It definitely can be, but it doesn't have to be. If you go out and you just kind of pick a beautiful trail or a neighborhood that you enjoy, that you like looking at, and you take the pressure off of yourself in terms of the splits you have to hit or the distance you have to go or, or, or the pacing or anything like that, and you just go out and say, you know, I'm going to have a good time. And if I if I stop having fun, I can walk and turn around. And you, if you just take the pressure off, I think that you'll find that it can be a relatively enjoyable, you know, obviously somewhat cathartic experience. But it, it requires you to sort of put all that other stuff, all that other noise to the side and try and go out and have just a pure, quiet run that is comfortable. And if you do that enough times, you start developing the habit of enjoying running and you can push yourself harder and further or not, you know, you can do whatever you want, but it just definitely doesn't have to be this, this terrible thing. And I think encouraging other people at a race and high-fiving people is, you know, one way to make it fun and to, to take your mind off of what would otherwise be, you know, pretty arduous, maybe, maybe physically uncomfortable experience. When you, when you boil it down, everybody kind of knows, like, unless you're in the elite categories, you're not going to, you know, you're not you're not going to win the half marathon. Like unless you're in the top 10% of runners, you're probably going to finish in the bottom 90. So everybody's more competing with themselves. Does that make sense? It definitely does. And, and yep. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and you know, I think of it as look, I mean, you, you signed up for this, you spent money on this. This is how you're going to spend your Sunday morning. You know, it should be fun. If you stop having fun, then step off the gas and just cruise and, you know, enjoy the scenery. Oh, yeah. Which, again, Tough Mudders are in some of the most beautiful places on the planet. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think drew me to Tough Mudder um, as compared to other OCR is I have the perhaps misfortune of working in a profession where my success is measured by wins and losses. 
I mean, every, certainly every month, every week, maybe even every day, somebody tells me, you know, whether I get a W or an L. And so I just personally generally need less competition in my life. So if I can find something that is expressly non-competitive as, as regular Tough Mudder events are, where they encourage you to, you know, not have a timing chip, help other people, just enjoy the day, then that is, you know, probably good, good for my mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, all right, we've talked about Tough Mudders, talked about running. You, along with a couple other guys, started Assist 100 Mudders. So kind of talk about where did this idea come up with? Why did you start it? Um, who are the guys who helped you? Obviously, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave them out. Sure. So Assist 100 Mudders is a pretty, I think, a pretty exciting campaign and something that I'm really, you know, um, proud to have my name associated with. The other people who are just as integral to the process are Ed Grolo and Joey Ta, uh, who are also two uh, two guys from Southern California, and they've run a lot of Tough Mudders with me, and that's sort of how I how I met them. The idea is, I think, very simple, which is at a Tough Mudder event, if you help 100 people over or through any obstacle on a single day, then we will give you a free a free sort of commemorative patch. The patch, you know, has has sort of an obstacle icon on it, and our hashtag assist 100 mutters and a gold 100. And it's really nothing fancy, but it's just sort of a way that we came up with to recognize those who go above and beyond in helping people on the Tough Mudder course. And as you know, uh, one of the central tenets of Tough Mudder is the idea that you will help your fellow mutters complete the course. That teamwork and camaraderie are more important than your own course time. And that's something, as I said, that really drew me to Tough Mudder in the first instance and something that I think you don't see in certainly not in in everyday life very much and definitely not in athletic events very often. So that's the general idea behind Assist 100 Mutters and the patches and we'll mail them out and it's all free and we don't do it you know, for money or anything like that. It's just sort of to build... Um, you know, maybe a culture of recognition of people who really go above and beyond in helping others. And the idea sort of came about in a pretty weird way, I think. Um, it actually came out about a year ago. I had run the eight-hour uh, Toughest Mudder West event in L.A. in uh, March of 2017. And being from Southern California, that's sort of my, my home course, as it is, you know, for you. And uh, in order to perform my best at the Toughest Mudder event, I opted not to run uh, the regular event on that Saturday or the regular event on that Sunday. I wanted to save my energy for the eight-hour event. And, you know, I enjoyed the eight-hour event. It was definitely very physically challenging. And I was pleased with how it went, although after the weekend ended, I looked back on my my weekend and realized that I really hadn't helped that many people through obstacles. Um, Toughest is a competitive event and everyone lends a hand here and there, but you know, you help far fewer people generally at, at the eight hour event than you do at a regular course. 
And that sort of weighed on me because, you know, Tough Mudder is, a, is to me more about teamwork than anything else. And I sort of thought about it over the following month or so. And I went to the regular Tough Mudder event in Arizona. And Ed Grolo was very gracious and offered to, uh, to drive me all the way out there from Orange County. And as we were driving out there, we were sort of talking about uh, OCR and Tough Mudder and our philosophies for what these races should be like. And I told him, you know, everything that I've told you and how I felt a certain sense of emptiness from not having helped all the people that I would have liked to at the previous event. And that I was thinking about trying to maybe compensate for that in Arizona by just posting up on Everest, which is a basically a really slick quarter pipe that people need to run up and, and scale and posting up there and just staying until I helped a hundred people. And I didn't know if that would take me 10 minutes or five hours, or if I would like dislocate a shoulder doing it or what, it just seemed like a pretty interesting concept. And Ed was very excited about it and wanted to, to do it as well. And, um, before we did, we talked to Joey and he wanted to join and, you know, the next thing I know, we're in Arizona and the three of us are at the top of Everest, sort of just pulling, you know, one body after another over the top of this thing. Some people, you know, it took them, it took them 12 or 15 tries to get up, but we stayed with them. And um, in fact, you know, we, we were counting the people as we were pulling them up. And I remember number 76 was uh, a really tall, really tall gentleman who after we pulled him up, he started helping people up and he got sort of pulled back down the other side. And so we had to do 76 twice. Um, but <laughs> we ended up, I, I don't know how long it took us, maybe, maybe an hour, maybe, maybe closer to two hours, but it was a, it was a, you know, pretty moving experience to be able to help that many people and, you know, walking away from it. We thought that it was definitely something we wanted to do again so we did it the next day and, you know, coming away from that weekend, that was really the highlight. And it's something that we discussed we should try to encourage other people to do. And somehow the idea of a patch, you know, got floated and, you know, we talked to a few other folks in the, in the Tough Mudder community and it seemed like a pretty popular concept. And so we just made a bunch of patches and we didn't really know what would of it if people would be into it or if it would you know if it wasn't for them but at the end of a year we gave out i think we gave out around 400 or 450 patches which would equate to something like 400,000 or 450,000 times people helped someone on course um, a number of people took the challenge to extremes and helped 500 people at an obstacle. There were uh, several people who helped a thousand people at an individual obstacle on a single day. So the concept seems to have taken on a life of its own, which I'm very excited about. And everybody who does the challenge or who has a new way of, of approaching the challenge really deserves credit for making this into something that I think is, you know, a quite popular and, and very positive experience in the OCR community. That's awesome. And I, I can tell you that I believe it was at the LA Sunday event this past year. So uh, about four months ago, um, I did my first assist a hundred mutters and 
it was exhausting and exhilarating and amazing. And it was such a great experience that a lot it, it a lot of people, I think they should just do one Tough mutter, just because I think it really brings out the best in people. And I think once you realize what you can do over the course of a day, um, all the other issues in your life seem a little bit smaller. But if anyone's ever going to do two or three Tough Mudders, um, helping, you know, assisting 100 mutters is absolutely something that uh, I encourage people to do. And I'm super excited uh, to be doing it in the future. Hopefully with you guys um, at other events, but it was one of the most redeeming aspects of my Tough Mudder races. Um, I don't know if you know, but I know I've spoken on the podcast. I've done 28. I've done 28 Tough Mudders. So I know I can finish a race. And so now what it what it is about is helping other people realize that they can finish the race. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm coming from. I've I've done 30. So I'm not too far ahead of you and you know like like I've said the, I do these races for more than just the workout. Oh yeah. And if assist 100 mutters is going to be, you know, that, that's just some sort of like little, it's a game, right? If you we're talking about games, it's sort of like a side game, like a, like a side quest, if you will, <laughs> uh, for tough mutter. And, and, and look, this can be done at any race too. I mean, there's no reason it has to be just tough mutter. You can go out to a Spartan or you can go out to a rugged maniac or you can go out to really anything and just make a game of it. See how many people you can help or how many people you can get to know. Or how many people you can encourage. And that's something that we've learned through the Assist 100 Mutters project as well. You know, you don't have to post up at the top of Everest and pull up 100 people. You can go to any any obstacle and help in any way that you can. You can sit in Blockness Monster and spin those giant blocks for an hour until 100 people make it over. You can, you know, you can go through electroshock therapy 100 times if you want. You can, we've had people sit in Arctic Enema for 100 people to come through just giving out high fives. So there's a hundred different ways you can interpret this thing. And again, it's all about just, you know, having fun, meeting people and, uh, really trying, trying to help others and get out of your comfort zone in, in that capacity. That's awesome. Uh, that is, and that's such the spirit of what Tough Mudder is about, which is, which is why I'm so happy that you guys, came up with this and I do like t- calling it a side quest. It's awesome. Uh, what is next for assist a hundred mutters? That's a, that's a great question. So uh, we're, we're starting the new tough mutter season very soon. Um, I'm not sure if LA is the first event for tough mutter, but it's certainly the first that I'm going to, and maybe the first in the U S and in conjunction with that, we've put together a new, patch design for the 2018 season we asked the tough mutter legionnaires community to vote on what uh, obstacle icon they want on the 2018 patch in 2017 the icon was everest for perhaps obvious reasons in 2018 the community voted to put the blockness monster icon on the patch which is like this i mean you, you can see it it's like this serpent looking thing moving through water and blockness is such a great obstacle to do the challenge on anyway because anybody can do it whether you're you know super strong or super tough or not 
uh, it's something that anyone can really do the challenge on. So we've got uh, new patches that were uh, that we've made that we'll have at the LA event that we'll be distributing to our partners in other parts of the world. Um, I should mention Kevin Calder is a UK Tough Mudder Legionnaire who's been instrumental in getting a number of patches out to our European mudders. Um, and there, and there are so many people, there are too many really to name that have helped sort of distribute patches throughout the world. I think they're on like four continents or five continents at this point. Um, but so the, the first project is the new patches that we have, which we're very excited about. And then we have some uh, other projects that we're working on that I don't know if they're ready to be publicly announced, but ways that we're going to recognize people that go above and beyond above and beyond. So the people who help a thousand mutters or the people who, you know, maybe do something when no one's watching, we're trying to come up with creative ways where we can, you know, incentivize and recognize that kind of behavior as well. So we'll see. You'll, you might have to have me back on when I'm, uh, when I'm ready to talk details. You will be absolutely invited to come back on now. Uh, and, I will be more than happy to help you guys plan, take part, whatever it is. Um, I'm in your corner. I got your back. You know, whatever you guys need to do to get it done, I'm there. I'm, I'll, I'll be helping you out. Uh, now, I was talking with Joey, and there's plans at the Arizona, which is the one-year anniversary of Assist 100. And it was, uh, are you guys going to be assisting 100 at every obstacle? That is the plan. Arizona was where it was born. We're all three going to be in Arizona. Um, I think there's another uh, event in Sacramento that day, and we all sort of put our heads together and figured out whether we wanted to go to Sacramento, Arizona, but we decided Arizona. And I think the plan is to help 100 either at every obstacle or at every obstacle where help can be provided. Um, and so that'll be, I mean, that'll be, a, that'll be a full day project. That's going to be, I mean, you're going to help, we're going to help 1200 people or 2400 people, uh, you know, in one day, e- each of us. So that'll be a big, a big spectacle, I think, and extremely exhausting. I feel like I need to train up just for, for that event. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's an all day affair. I've actually, um, Arizona, this is my first time going back to Arizona in, uh, three years. I haven't done it since 2015 and it's where I started Tough Mudder. I started in February of 2013 in Arizona. That's where I'm from. Uh, and I've told people, you know, I'm going to be helping my buddies, uh, Mike, Joey, and Ed. So if, if you want to do a Tough Mudder experience with me, Sign up for Sunday. I will be with you guys, but Saturday I need to help these guys accomplish their goals. Um, so all my friends are doing it on Sunday. That's awesome. And we always, always appreciate help on this thing because I'll tell you, after you know pulling 80 arms up Everest, it feels like your own arms are about to fall off. So we, you know, can use as much help as we can get out there. And I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it. And it's like, you know, it's like a party anyway. We have a number of friends that'll be doing it with us. People have music, people have, you know, just a real, a real good vibe and a real good time about it. And so, you know, we're, we're really lucky to have had the support that we've had. And again, you know, this isn't, 
it's not just even me or Ed and Joey. It, there are so many people that have adopted this thing and have, have made it their own, including you and a number of other folks. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good anniversary. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, God, I'm so stoked that LA is so close, man. Uh, I might've been a little. So what are you thinking for, for toughest? Are you ready for that? Dude, uh, we'll, we'll find out, man. If, if you ask me, am I ready right this moment? No. Uh, will I be ready? Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's go with yes. As ready as you can be for an eight hour uh, you know, obstacle course race through the hills of Southern California in at night. Yeah. At night, at midnight. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I did sign up for the Saturday Tough Mudder half as a little warm up, And then, um, hopefully I'll be around and be conscious enough to do Sunday fun day. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Um, I think you can do it but it requires a lot of willpower. I've done two toughests and both times with the plan that I would run on Sunday and neither time did I run on Sunday, but you are, as we've, as we've established a more disciplined man than I am, at least, at least insofar as diet goes. And so I think you, you know, you've got a shot. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. And uh, disciplined over. Di- I'm, I, I obviously have not been disciplined in my training, so that's. I feel like uh, the diet is a little bit. The diet isn't going to help me as much in the twenty-four hours of beginning L.A. Tough Mudder half through Sunday Fun Day, so. But the discipline, the discipline is there. <laughs> yeah, but you have, and so if, you have the discipline to train, brother. No, I, I see. Here's the thing: it's actually not discipline because I enjoy training, and so I'm doing something I enjoy. I assume you don't enjoy not having beer for 30 days, and so you know you've you've got the stronger mental power behind you, the stronger discipline. Whereas I'm just kind of doing what I like doing, which is running and eating pizza. <laughs> okay, valid point. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna take the compliment and say thank you very much. I appreciate that. Just take it. <laughs> just take it. Yeah, and know that if you don't run on Sunday, you'll be letting me down, oh, and you'll break. Oh, my heart. oh, I can't break hearts. I'm not a heartbreaker. You're not a heartbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, man. Um. What do you got coming up? Uh, we got a beautiful President's Day weekend here. What do you got? What do you got? What are you doing the rest of this beautiful weekend? That's a great question. Um, I think I'm going to wake up and see how my legs feel. And if they're okay, I'll go out for a long run. And if they're not okay, I'll go out for a short run. And um, I need to climb a little bit this weekend. I was in Joshua Tree for three days last weekend. And I had, you know, such an amazing time. If you haven't been to Joshua Tree, you really should go. And it's really not that far for us in Southern California or in people in really in many parts of the Southwest. So I had had a great weekend there, but there's some sort of climbing training that I'd like to do. So maybe on Sunday or on Monday, I'll go up to my local climbing spot, which is up near Chasworth and work on some of my projects there. There's one in particular that I've been working on for about two months now, and I can get all the way to the top of this climb, but I can't get the last move. So I end up taking these like 
enormous falls from the top of this boulder, which is, you know, pretty, pretty spectacular probably for someone to see. Um, but so anyway, I'll probably go out there and, uh, and see if I can finish that thing off, but basically just hanging out, man, hanging out, working out, eating pizza, enjoying life. That's playing clash of clans, playing clash of clans, even though I don't want to. That's, that's awesome, man. That sounds like a good weekend. I'm excited. I got, I think I'm going to do a six mile, uh, round trip hike run tomorrow morning. And then Monday I I'm doing a 13, 14 mile round trip, slower hike, uh, Monday. So that, uh, that I'm very excited about. Have you hiked, uh, Echo Mountain up there in Altadena? No. Uh, Yes, I did. Honestly, dude, I did that New Year's Day. Uh, we started at 4 a.m. just to catch the sunrise on the first day of the year, start the new year off right. Uh, it was incredible. That is a fun hike. It's I think it's two and a half up and two and a half back. And that um, I was training out there a couple of weeks ago just trying to get some um, – you know, get some elevation training and that's a good spot. I was going to say, if you hadn't uh, gone out there, you should give it a shot. Excellent. I uh, dude, just cause I've done a hike doesn't mean I can't do it again. That's true. That's what they say. So what piece of advice do you have for anybody out there who, you know, what piece of advice do you have for anybody out there listening? Uh, well, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I am supposed to be good at giving advice, but uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty broad, uh, prompt. I, I guess I'd say, you know, one thing that has really changed m- my life and that has, um, is something that I enjoy talking about and, and living is just going outside. So much of our world today, especially for people who work in offices are spent inside sitting in a chair. You know, you're not really getting to appreciate the sunshine and the nature and the animals and, uh, and everything that's, that's outside. And there are so many things to do outside. It can be running like I do. It can be hiking. Uh, it can be, you know, just going for a walk through the city and enjoying, you know, the, the, the evening air, but getting outside is something that I think will be nurturing for just about anybody. And so to the extent you can break away from your screens and from your offices and from your comfortable couches and your Netflix, I'd say, you know, try to get outside. That is, that is some great advice, my friend. Uh, and, oh, if people want to find uh, more about, well, I guess, Tough Mudder, they can go to toughmudder.com. But uh, do you want to give out any social media handles or anywhere people can find stuff about Assist 100? Sure. So um, that's a perfect uh, – I think I set us up perfectly for a segue here because my, my Instagram, if anyone cares to follow me or wants to get in touch, is Outside Mike. Excellent. Yeah. And – all of my stuff is about being outside. And for Assist 100 Mutters, we have uh, an Instagram account as well, and that is Assist 100 Mutters. And if you have any questions about Tough Mutter or OCR or you know good runs or climbs in Southern California or Assist 100 Mutters, by all means, feel free to reach out. Excellent. And I will include those social media handles in the show notes. Uh, just so in case anybody wants to click through and find those, uh, it'd be very easy for them to do so. And 
on that note, Mike, thank you so much for being with me tonight. I've absolutely enjoyed the conversation. Uh, feel free to come back anytime, my friend. You are more than welcome. I definitely will. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And um, hopefully I'll be back soon. And I will see you, I guess, in a couple of weeks in L.A. You will see me in a couple of weeks, my friend. And on that note, everybody else, I'll see you next week right back here for episode 94, Workout Nerd Out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, workout nerd out.